industries have a very straightforward process to buy. I have a problem. I research alternatives and choose one. I give someone some money and I get something in return. All very simple. Other industries have a much more complex process. Big, expensive projects often begin with a tender. Writing tenders for civil engineering and construction industries might seem like a dry idea to you, but that's what our guest today specialises in, and it's way more interesting than you think. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. Copyright Matters is my business and that's where I have coaching and courses to help copywriters at all levels. Now, my usual co-host, Kate Toon, the most awesome Kate Toon, has been captured by the flu, but... I have a guest. With us today is Estelle Fallon. Estelle is a tender and SEO copywriter who's been trying to find words that fit for businesses for over 20 years. She cut her teeth on tenders and proposals for the recruitment sector before finding her absolute love for working in the civil engineering and construction industries. These days, she combines the two and has lots of fun taking businesses through the tender writing process and beyond, from tender ready to web ready to award ready. I love that bit. She also believes that making a sandwich is an art and fillings have to go on in a particular order. So welcome, Estelle. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Before we get into today's interview, I'd like to say that I'm 100% on board with the sandwich making idea here. I completely agree and I'm well known to deconstruct sandwiches that are given to me only to reconstruct them in the right order. We can be soul sisters, Belle. We can. Yeah. I. Yep, there is definitely, there has to be an order to the way that you do your sandwich. You can't just throw it on willy-nilly. You've mm-hmm. got to put food, matching food things together. Yes, and it's a texture thing as well for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, before we lose everyone, let's get into this because this is going to be, I find this really interesting because tender writing isn't something that I've ever done before. Um, so let's talk about this as a niche. How, sure. how did you get into this? I fell into tenders purely by accident. Um, about 20 years ago, I was working in recruitment. I did my stint on reception. I did my stint as a recruitment consultant um, and realised that that as much as I loved interviewing people, that wasn't for me, but I love the company that I worked for. So um, they moved me down into the sales and marketing department and um, there I started writing or pulling together proposals for the sales team and eventually moved into preparing tenders as well. So it was purely by accident and then it seems to be that because I had it on my CV, every job that followed always had something around around tenders because they seem to be, it's it's you know, it's not a common thing out there for people to be able to do and to understand the process. Yeah. And, and, you know, just linking back to that recruitment idea, once you have a keyword in your CV search, you can get matched up with further jobs, whether you want them or not. Absolutely. And so, you know, throughout the years, you know, temping and those sorts of things, it would be, oh my God, you can do a tender. And I'm like, yep, I can. And they go, okay, off you go. And what, what do you like? Like before we get into Well, no, let's backtrack. Can you explain what a tender is and how it fits into these kind of big expensive projects? Sure. Um, So (laughs) you ask most people what a tender is and they'll say they're an absolute, you know, a nightmare and a headache um, (laughs) regardless of whether or not you're writing them or, you know, submitting them or um, evaluating them. But in its simplest form, they are a formal offer to perform work in return for payment. Okay. Right. Like um, a quote, and, like a proposal. Absolutely. And that, you know, when you bring it back to its most simple form, that is all that it is. It's just another document um, and another process by which companies get you to quote on providing goods or services for them. So, Unfortunately, there's a few hoops that you have to go through and a few extra bits of paper that you need to fill out in order to be able to be seen as compliant. And they throw a lot of technical terms in there, but at at its base, it is just a document to provide a quote for goods and services. Okay. So what do you love most about this? Like I know you've obviously had a few opportunities to put them together and then you just got, you carried on with that, but there would have been an opportunity at some point for you to go, no, this is not my jam. I want out, but you kept on and you really love it. This is your niche now. So what, what do you love most about it? 
Um, I think specifically working in engineering and construction, I love you know, I've worked on big projects. Um, so I, <laughs> the vanity part of me loves the idea that there's a little bit of me in some of these big, you know, these big jobs Love that have it. gone on around Australia, so, you know, and I can take my boys back to different states and go, oh, we did that one and we did that one and, you know, I, I wrote that one. Um, but for the most part, I love being involved and they're a really good opportunity to continue learning something new because every project that you do and every tender that you do, there's always a new series of challenges that you have to overcome. So there's, you know, depending on where, as a copywriter, where you come in in that process, if you're in at the very beginning um, and you get to, you get to be a part of that brainstorming and, and seeing the collective mind at work. And when, you know, somebody has that aha moment that this is how we're going to solve those problems. That's a wonderful thing, but it's also really knowing that what you're doing is helping another business um, to, to thrive, you know, <laughs> and provided that, you know, they do their part really well, which is actually deliver the tender or deliver what they've said that they're going to do. Mm. You know, you, you're helping them to, to build their business. And that's, a, awesome. and that's something I like to, to really focus on and stay with them afterwards as well. So it's not just coming in and doing the tender, but then after, after you've done that, there's usually bits and pieces that need to be done um, throughout the project as the project finishes and, as I said, through to awards as well. So you, you, you become immersed in that project. Oh, interesting. How do you? And I love the fact that, I mean, one of the things I just want to highlight that you said there is you get involved in like the brainstorming bit of the project. So, so obviously as a tender writing, a tender writer, businesses don't contact you and say, right, now we're ready to have the tender written. We've got everything worked out. You come in. It sounds like you're involved a lot earlier. It depends. So it, uh, some businesses will just come to you and say, here's the document, can you check to see whether or not it's compliant against the documents? And we read through it and we go, okay, we'll make some suggestions. Um, some will come to me and say, we want you to be a part of, um, a part of it from the beginning and because you've got experience in this industry. Um, and that is my preferred way as well because there's so much information that you pick up listening to other people that you yes. can actually include in the document. So, you know, you're sitting in a room full of engineers. They're looking at it from a technical perspective, but as the copywriter who's, you know, in effect doing the sales pitch, you're looking for other bits of information that can be useful as well. Um, and, you know, certainly on the days when I actually worked in-house, that was the most beneficial for all parties concerned was to have the, have the writing team sitting in there um, and, and pulling out, you know, sitting there with the laptop. And at, at, you know, there, sometimes it would just be the zingers that they would drop and you could include that and that would just, you know, really help the, the text flow as well. But because it's such technical information, you can go back and you can say, I need you to explain that to me one more time. And then you can take that technical engineering speak and turn it into proper English. I love that. And that sounds very much like there's a strong parallel with other types of copywriting projects. It's, it's talking with the client and listening to the language that they're using, that you can pull some gold that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. And that can really set, set the copywriting apart. Absolutely. And it's also being able to say to them, well, hang on a second, in this meeting, this is what we talked about. And we've now changed, you're now changing the way that that's going to run. So you do realize that this, that then also affects this, this, and this in the, in the documents that we're putting together. So we're going to have to rewrite those. So you're going to have to allow time um, in the, in the schedule to be able to address those as well. Gosh, I'm getting flashbacks from when I was a business analyst in the <laughs> IT industry. <sighs> um, but how, like we're, we're talking about you as a copywriter, mm -hmm. um, how different is writing these kind of documents to other types of copywriting? Because you're obviously an SEO copywriter as well and you help these kind of companies with a lot of their other marketing. So how yep. does tender writing differ from those other types of copywriting? For me, I actually find tender writing easier than doing sales copy. Um, 
I think because it's business to business, which is a, a big thing. Um, and also there is a very, there's, you know, there's a, quite a, a strict framework that you are walk, working to and, a, and almost a formula that you need to go through in order to be able to address the selection criteria. So you're not pulling bits and pieces out of the air. The documents tell you what information that they are looking for and you're trying to craft your message around those key points and making sure that you actually address them in your documents and then having the facts and figures and stats and, um, you know, the, the, the proof behind it to um, verify what it is that you're saying. Is there a strong element of persuasiveness and the sales copywriting in those sections? I mean, I love the fact that there's structure. That would make me feel good as well. But, I mean, when we think about like a really long landing page, we need elements of persuasive copywriting and then we need elements for credibility and, and all that kind of stuff. Is, is there that element of flair and persuasiveness in the writing that you're doing for tenders? I think it, it depends. much more concrete? Yeah, it is. <sighs> I think it depends on the company that you're working for and the tender that you are actually doing, so what you are submitting. So, you know, yes, engineering and construction tend to be very dry and technical, so it really is making sure that you've got those concrete facts um, explained in a way that everybody understands and you're hitting each one of those marks. If you're doing it, if you are doing a tender for um, an advertising agency to be, get on a panel or you're doing something more in the creative, then you have that ability to be more persuasive and put some more of your personality in it. I would love to put more personality in engineering construction con- yeah. tenders. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Um, And some of the smaller companies that you work for, you can do that. But, you know, when you're talking projects that, you know, anywhere from $50 million upwards, they're not really interested in personality. They just want to know that you can do the job and you've got the demonstrated experience and proof behind it. Um, Mm. And it's not just, you know, pages filled with waffle that you actually address what it is. You answer their questions, you address what it is that they need to know, um, you and you are providing the solution. No flair, just the facts. No flair, just the facts. Yep. <laughs> so, are there different types of tender documents, or is it just like, or is it just different industries that might differ the information? No, for the most part, there's five different types of documents Ooh, that five. come out. Yep, um, and what you put in and so it determines what information that you're actually providing so um, the first one that you'll get is a request for information Uh, that is where you know company a or organization a knows what it is that they want to do they know roughly what it should look like and how much it should cost but they're seeking market feedback and so for that one as a as a responder you're providing information as to how you would do the job. Um, And so that then may determine what the future documents look like for when they're actually asking for pricing as well. Because you might come up with something that they've never thought or there's a new new product on the market that could actually help with that. So um, then you have what are called expressions of interest um, and they are usually the first part of what is known as a multi-tender process. So they'll send it out to anybody who might be interested. You can have a look at the documents. You can see whether or not um, it is something that you are capable of as a business and then you express your interest in being put forward going um, into the future and getting the the other the bulk of the documents when they come out. Um, for Then you move on to the request for proposal. Now, um, that is when whoever is asking for the goods or services, they, they, they've got a clearly defined result that they're looking for, okay, but there's no technical specifications. So how I like to explain those is they tend to be used for panel contracts. So a government department might go out and go, um, we're putting out a panel contract for, you know, copywriters, media, social marketing the whole lot, you put forward your information there. Tell us about you. Tell us how you've you've done it before. Tell us why you're good and give us a range of prices. So it might not be specific pricing, but Mm -hmm. it will be, you know, 
depending on the, the different categories within the tender, you will provide a range of pricing. Um, and then they go hand in hand with what are called requests for quotations. So once you've made it to the panel, when they've got a specific project for you, they'll go, right, well, you actually qualified, you're pre-qualified to give us a price on this. This is exactly what we want and we need some more details from you um, as to how you're going to do it. And then the last one, <laughs> sorry, um, which is the big one, are the request for tender. And they tend to be the, the big documents where they, they know exactly what it is that they're after. So they've got a project um, lined up, ready to go, and we want to know how you're going to deliver it, who's going to deliver it, and how you are going to price it. So for that one, there's, there's two sections to it. There's the qualitative data that you are providing that you can do the job, and then there's the pricing data as well as to how much it's actually going to cost to deliver wow. the goods or services. And so if you're working with a company, you get a client, yep. would you normally work with them on, say, three out of those five categories? Like do you normally go end-to-end -end, or is it a bit choppier on, in terms of which documents you're writing? Yeah, it de depends on the agency that's pushing out the document. A lot of the time they'll just go straight to request for tender. Um, once every three years they may do a request for proposal. So that's that's a lot of the panel contracts. So mm -hmm. rather than having to go through that tender stage, which is, you know, for, you know, you might have 40 or, depending on what it is, you might have 40 or 50 applicants or companies wanting to do that work. So they'll send out that request for proposal first and or an expression of interest first to be able to narrow the field down so that they're only dealing with three or four um, of, of the ones that they think are most suitable. So ideally I come in at the request for proposal stage um, and then I can come back when it when they're either being asked to tender. Usually I don't need to come in on a quote stage because we've already put all of that pre-work in beforehand. So it's usually either an expression of interest, a request for proposal or a request for tender. And I think that's where people get a little bit scared of them because they see all of these three-letter acronyms to start with and they just go, oh, my God, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what the difference is and I don't know what, you know, how we're supposed to... Um, what we're supposed to put in each one or how they differ. Um, and, you know, sometimes they do get used interchangeably and, and they probably shouldn't. But if you just remember that expression of interest is to say that we're interested, request for proposal is um, a, a general overall as to what we can do without specific nailed down pricing. And the request for tender is where they want to know, you know, they want to know everything about you from your inside out and including what you had for breakfast that morning. Nice. And how, <laughs> how long would that, the last one take? Cause that seems like the biggest one. How long does yeah. that whole process take? Um, again, depends, depends on the project, you know, some, if you're looking at billion dollar projects, some of the, the, the entire tender process will take up to two years once you work your way through the steps. So, you know, for some of the tenders <sighs> that I've done in the past, you know, it's been a three month tendering process so you get the documents for day one and you've got three months in order to be able to prepare um, and put everything together so that's working in-house um, subcontract or um, you know working as a freelancer I tend to do the smaller ones now because the big guys have all got their own um, tender teams and usually it's only if they're uh, you know fully booked or it's it's a massive tender and they need lots of riders to come in and help um for the smaller ones you know maybe two weeks okay from start to finish um and then it's my part that's not that's not always full on as well that's allowing for you know reviews going backwards and forwards. that's what I was going to ask is that an intense two weeks or is that a regular two weeks <laughs> No. People tend to, for me anyway, I, I have one of two jobs. They either want me to manage the process from start to finish because they just don't have the time to do it. They're too busy working, you know, and actually delivering jobs to, to do this, this part of it. So I'll come in and I'll, and I'll drive the team and find the information and pull it all together and hand it out. Or sometimes it really is just that we either want you to do a first draft or we want you to do the final review. And then it's just making sure that you allow enough time that they can go away and do their amends and, nice. and make, make the document look good before they submit it. And the project management, looking at like a service packaging point of view, and I'm going to ask you how on earth you quote for these in a minute, but is, a, is doing the project management a really strong value add in terms yep. of your service? 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. To be able to walk in and go, I can take your project. I Give me the documents. You go away and I will come back with a full tender plan as to when everything needs to be delivered. You tell me who the key points are um, and what your approvals process is and I will work out what it is and who needs to deliver what on what date and chase them up and make sure that it's delivered as well. Of course. I mean, strong project management is essential in so many of our projects, but that must be a real godsend as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, having that background and being able to do that um, has meant that when it comes to, when it comes time to doing other projects, you know, sort of many, you know, just going to, to sometimes just go to the client, so just leave it with me. I'll take it on. You just go and go what you need to do. Here's, here's the deliverable dates that you're expecting and we'll make sure that we hit all of those as well. And do you have a team to do this or is it just you? No, it's just me. Oh, it's nice. just me. Rock star, rock star. But having said that, if I go in-house and work with companies in-house, they have a team. So yeah. a lot of the time, you know, they will have a proposal coordinator who actually makes the documents look nice or is available to give it that final proofread after because after you've read the same paragraph six or seven times and it's gone through various approvals and you've got it back, you need to make sure that somebody else is reading it. Um, that or, must be or a relief. Yeah, or we've nominated somebody who uh, doesn't actually look at it throughout the um, the writing process. Um, but then, you know, I partner up with with graphic designers to be able to create infographics to go in there. Um, and you know, I do have have proofreaders that I use as well. It helps if they've got some experience within the industry. Um, and mm. nowadays, I you know, I I'm not doing. So when I first started out, I would take any, I would do any tender and I, you know, IT and, you know, finance and those sorts of things. And for me, I just found that the learning curve was too steep to be able to add value. And part of it now is being able to go, well, hang on a second. You haven't mentioned this, but I know that this is how we build things. So maybe you should include something about that or, you know, being able to read notes and, or hear be given notes from tender briefings and those sorts of stuff and go, well, hang on a second, we haven't included anything about this, but this was what was mentioned. So, mm. And I know in the in the Hot Copy Mastermind, which you're in, we've been talking a lot about the power of niching and being really clear about who you're working with because it helps them and it helps yep. you as well. So I love Absolutely. that clarity. Yeah. And what about, you mentioned revisions. Is it is the revision process like a standard copywriting projects? Two rounds of revisions? And no, 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 she's shaking, uh, her head. <laughs> no I'm shaking my head. I would have been surprised. Uh, so something. You know, there's so many variables with tender because a lot of it depends on who your tender team is and who you're working with. You know, if you've got a really organised project manager who hands over a bundle of information to you and goes, look, this is what we've done in the past, this is what we know has been successful, this is where we want to take it, let's work with this and we'll, and it'll just be me and you together, um, mm-hmm. you know, that is a dream scenario because they will then chase up the technical stuff and at least have given it a bit of a proofread before you get it. The revisions tend to come in when you or when I'm getting information directly from the technical sources, so in this case the engineers, and I have, like, they, a lot of these guys are so, so very clever and they want to give all of the knowledge that they have. Yeah. But it's not but. always necessary. <laughs> but it doesn't always answer the question. So it's a case of going, that's really great, and I'll see where we can use that somewhere else. But for now we need to trim that five pages that you've given me down to two paragraphs and make sure that we're not actually losing the sense of what it is that you are, that you are trying to convey or the, the question that you're trying to answer. Yeah, that makes sense. And that sounds like probably one of the most difficult elements is kind of sifting through a lot of information or trying to find all that information and then condense it down to those core elements. Yeah, and then what you'll find as well is on big projects, uh, you're not just dealing with one writer. So you've got a technical team um, from from the building side. You've got technical information from the designers. You'll have specialist designers that will provide their technical information as well. And so you have to come up with a, with a single tone of voice 
uh, throughout the entire document and make it sound like it's coming just from one person or from one company as well. So I want to go back to this charging, pricing, quoting question. How, How do you construct a quote for these kind of projects? Day rates. Simple oh, as right. that. Oh, yep. That makes it easy. Absolutely. And so for me, before I will quote, I will ask them to, they basically have to send me a previous, the current tender document and a previous document that they've put together. So I can have a look and see what it is that they that, that, what they want me to do and the sort of information that I've got access to. Um, and that's usually a, a four-hour minimum. Um, and then from there, that will then help me to determine how long it's going to take to pull the tender together. And then it's a budget price. So I might look at it and go, okay, well, I think there's about, you know, six or seven days worth of work here. So an estimated budget will be X amount. And then when we get to about 75% of that, we have a look and I go, okay, well, you're at 75% now. What do you want me to focus on for the for the last twenty five percent? And they might go, you know what, just keep doing what you're doing, and we'll just keep we'll just keep paying for you until the end. That's the big guys, and that's what why I love yes. working for them. Um, and then some of the smaller guys will go, well, can you just focus on doing this section, and we think that we can we can handle the rest from there. Okay. So, yeah. So you mentioned at the start, you said that's a four hour minimum to go through the information to come up with the budget estimate. Is that yep. charge time? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's I, a standard. Yeah. And okay. That cool. Tends to be for for bigger for the bigger guys. For for some of the the smaller guys, it's it's not four hours. You know, let's be honest. If if they ring me and they, you know, and I really like them and we've got that rapport, and I go, actually, I can work with you. You know, mm-hmm. that might be a might be a two hour thing. But my time to review a document is my time that I'm not billing. It's not marketable time. You know, yeah. I'm I'm basically sitting there and I am working for a client at that point. So you can you do actually need to pay me for that time. Yeah. But the the. The briefing process beforehand is probably a little bit more, you know, it's not just a a send over a client brief. There is that conversation on the phone beforehand, which will be a good half hour chat. And it's like, you know, how many people do you have in your team? Um, You know, how long do we have in order to be able to pull this together? Because if you're asking me to turn turn this around in three days, well, I'm doubling my price because I'm not going to see my family for the next three days. Um, Mm. So there's, you know, there, there is room to move when doing that pricing. But it, it is pretty much recognised throughout the industry that day rates are, are the way to go with, with tendering. I love that. And, um, you know, generally speaking, when you can package up your time like that and your services, it makes a decision-making a whole lot easier. Um, and it so, makes, oh, sorry. No, um, go on. Bill, I was just saying, it also makes it really easier for um, working in that headspace for quoting other jobs that come through. So if there's something that you're not familiar with and you don't know exactly how long it's going to take you, you know, it's really easy to go, well, in actual fact, that would probably take me roughly two days. So what's my day rate for those two days? That's the ballpark that you start with. And then you can start fine tuning it. Whereas, you know, when you're coming from an hourly rate or, you know, a per project basis, you know, we spend a lot of our time going, eh, is that too much? Is that, you know, uh, am I under quoting? Oh, Yes. Yep. So it's like I work on a day rate. If I can't do this, then if, you know, if I'm not doing this job, then I would be doing somebody else this other job, and that is how much I would be being charged for it. So yeah, I, I recommend to everybody that they definitely know what their day rate is and what their half day rate is. Oh, great tip, everyone. Um, so let's cover some do's and don'ts for mm-hmm. tender writing. Like where where do your responsibilities stop what maybe a better question is what are some common traps that tender writers fall into um i think not setting really clear boundaries at the beginning um you have to you have to put your bossy pants on basically and especially if you are responsible for driving or you know project managing that tender so you have to have from the very beginning you have to have very clear deliverable dates as to 
who is delivering what to you and you have to make sure that you allow yourself enough time to pull all of that together and chase people because they will always mm. leave it to the last minute. So you've, Of course. You know, your tender may close on the 20th but you aren't writing your program, your tender program up to the 20th, you're writing your tender program up to the 15th, knowing that it's going to slip until the 17th and still allowing yourself a buffer to, um, to be able to pull everything together in that final thing. Um, the other one is knowing where your role stops, especially within if you're working as a contract copywriter or a, a tender writer um, and where businesses you are not responsible at all for looking over financials you are not responsible for looking over legal um, part of the documentation that comes with a tender is the conditions of contract um, so you know what people have to understand is that a tender is a legal document and once you sign your name to it you are agreeing to the terms of those conditions of contract and if and there's always a schedule at the beginning that says, do you agree to the conditions? And if not, what what do you want to change? Um, you, there's no point signing the document and then going back for another bite of the cherry afterwards and going, well, actually, no, we want to be paid on 30 days instead of 60 days because I'll just mm. go, that's not what you agreed to. But that's it's your job, you know, if you know your client well enough, you can go, have you read these, but it's not your job to advise on them or enter into any discussion or if they've got legal, um, legal qualifications, they've actually sent it to the lawyer and the lawyer has sent things back. It's not your job to um, change any of the grammar or punctuation in that Mm -hmm. either. It goes in as is because a missing comma can mean can actually be the difference between how yeah. it is interpreted by the letter of the law. So you don't change that and you don't change the schedules. So at the beginning of the document, which is known as the form of tender, you have all of these schedules where you put your information. You don't change the order. You don't change the wording. You give it back to them in exactly the same way that they have sent it to you because that is how they need to assess and evaluate it. And is that, that sounds very much like um, I'm pretty sure it's a standard term in all our terms and conditions that we say you... Um, a guarantee that the information or you take responsibility for the correctness and accuracy of the information you are providing me as the writer. Yeah. And also if you will have one, you should have a one in there that says that you are not responsible for guaranteeing uh, winning or shortlisting either. As I, I will do the best that I have with the information that I have and the knowledge that I bring to you, but there is no way that I can guarantee that you will be shortlisted um, or you will actually win the tender because there are just so many variables that are out of your control. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you find your clients for these? Is It, very, it sounds like it would be very much a word-of-mouth industry. Yeah, for me now, most of it comes from word of mouth um, and part of that is being active in, in various groups as well and sort of, you know, thanks to, to Kate's copywriting group, you know, I'm if people come to me if they've got a question about tenders and, and that sort of stuff and I'm always happy to uh, answer. Um, the other ways are joining your local chamber of commerce or, you know, networking and and actually talking to people who may be submitting tenders. Um, lots of the various government departments will run tender writing workshops. Oh. So, so they so all of the government departments in every state, oh, sorry, the who, whoever is responsible for procurement in each state will usually run a, um, a government procurement workshop so that you can find out how they like you to respond to their tenders. And they're great networking events. Go there with a, with, you know, a handful of cards and just talk to people and say, look, they're, they're usually there to find out how to do it on behalf of their business. And mm-hmm. then when you get talking to them and you say that you're a copywriter or a tender writer, I can help you with this. They're like, oh, my God, I'll give you a call. So that is a fantastic tip for anyone looking to get into it. And so at the beginning of the pod, you talked about like the structure of tender documents and there's set things that go in. How did you learn it attending workshops like this or getting previous versions? How, how do you get to know what goes in a document? Um, when I first started out, it was looking at 
previous document. So being over in WA, our head office was in Melbourne. So the Melbourne people would send us what we were allowed to use and we were only really allowed to change we were allowed to change Melbourne to Perth and that was that was it so um it was a very steep learning curve for me when I first got got started because there was no solution selling there was no you know addressing those problems it was it was pretty much templated at that stage um and then I I got a really great mentor who came out of banking and finance and just went no 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 no, we're not doing it that way for for my team and so that's when I learnt and he he sent me on various tender writing workshops and I have to say I did it 20 odd years ago and I went to one recently and very little has changed in the information that they are giving out as to how these need to be addressed. The terminology may change slightly. When you get into the massive projects and you're dealing with, um, you know, the, the various ways that the project is going to be delivered, the terminology changes there, but the actual information that you are putting in the tender is pretty much always the same. And there is always, there is always a section on your company, on the, on the company and the profile and the, you know, the financials and the capability statements. There's always a section on um, the people that are going to be involved. So you need to make sure that CVs are up to date and that you've got good bios on your people. There's always a section on projects that you have done for your demonstrated experience. Um, And it is demonstrated. You can't just say, oh, we've done lots of them. You actually have to prove where you've done them and how it fits to the selection criteria. So we did this project and, you know, and and make sure that you're constantly referring to that document that tells you what it is as as part of the scope of work. Um, There's always a section on uh, the methodology, so how you're going to deliver it. Um, and that's where you usually are, you know, the graphics people come in handy. So taking five pages of step-by-step and turning it into a nice infographic to show how you're going to do it. Um, and for me, there's a section on health, safety, environment and quality. So there's usually a system, there's always a systems question as well. So I love yeah, this because it's, it's like a little checklist where you can just kind of go, boom, these are the sections. This is what yep. we need to say. That's it. And, you know, part of your job at the, at the end is to make sure and go, have I got each of these sections? Because each one comes with its own schedule that you need to fill out. So they have tend to checklists in there to make sure that you've got all the right documents and, and those sorts of things that are attached. And so, um, you know, your, your bulk of your document addresses the selection criteria, but then you have information that you think will be useful and then you can put that in the appendices as well. So, you know, ticking that information off and making sure that you've got it. Nice. Um, so I was going to ask you, like, how would yep. someone get into it as tender writing? But I, you, like you said, going to Chamber of Commerce and mm-hmm. networking. Um, is it Chamber of Commerce training or is it government department training? What did you say? Uh, well, there's cha- there's the Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Usually, there's one of those, and they they tend they will run training sessions. Um, but then there's also the local, you know, your local Chamber of Commerce yes. as well for your for your state. Going to some of their networking events and and having a chat. Um, if you're starting from scratch, um, I would I would recommend going and doing a one day workshop so that you understand the fundamentals. Um, and mm. think about it. Think about it as an investment. You will get that money back tenfold if it's something that you really like. Um, and because then what you can also do is there are big agencies out there. There are big tender writing agencies throughout Australia, and they are always looking for people to come on a contract basis um, and help out. So um, you know, having you can just you can do a type into Google for for tender writing agencies and and some of the big ones will come through and they will also run their own training as well so you know stalk them on LinkedIn get to start making those connections so that when you talk to them um, and then you meet them at a networking event they know who you are I mean I was kind of lucky that I worked in engineering and construction so I went to networking events and I got to meet people to be able to now to be able to go well, I'm actually out on my own. Um, give us a call if you if you need a hand with anything. So um, it really is it is kind of a networking thing. You've got to you've got to have a certain amount of confidence in yourself and your abilities to be a tender writer because you've got to you've got to push. You have to push yourself and you have to push your clients in order to be able to deliver on time. 
I love it. There's some fantastic tips there. And what I love about this, it seems like an industry that's really open and, and really craving good quality writers to get involved. So if you do some training and you turn up to those trainings with your business card and you make some introductions online and offline, then the opportunities are there, which is very exciting. Absolutely. And, you know, it's because people are scared to tackle them. If you show an interest, I mean, even if you jump onto Seek, and I had a quick look last night uh, just in Perth, you know, if you search for uh, tender writer or proposal writer, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you get this there's plenty of opportunities. If you were starting out and you were, say you're in your early twenties and you want to write for a living, but you're not quite sure what to do, I would suggest go in house and learn because while doing it freelance is great when you've got kids, um, when you are actually immersed in it in house, you learn so much more. Okay. Cause you get to know the systems and the processes of, um, of, of how it all goes. You get to have you get to build your confidence from within, but more importantly, you also get the downtime that you need afterwards because they're quite mentally draining, um, especially if you're working on a big project. Um, and so then, you know, you will, when you're working in-house, you can go in and you can focus. That's all that you're doing for that time. And then there's a little bit of downtime for you to be able to catch your breath and go, okay, I'll have a look and see what else there is. Right, we're going full on for the next one. Um, and that's the way that you learn to be able to manage the manage your workload and then when you come out and you freelance you can manage your the number of clients and the volume of work that you've got coming through as well it sounds very much um, there sounds like some strong parallels with launch copywriting where you've got this moments of intensity that can be short or quite prolonged and you've got to be able to manage your energy in yep. order to be able to keep that delivering. And you also can't necessarily go back to back to back to back because no. you just will die. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, you know, if you niche into an industry as well, um, you know, the, the the big tenders, there's not a lot of them that come out every year. So you might do one big one, but that rules you out for working out while you're in there. You really can't do anything else. You, you know, you will be asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement or a non-compete clause. Um, so you can't work for any other, anyone else while you are doing that because every, all the information that you get is commercial and confidence. Is it like going back to quoting, is it lucrative tender writing? Cause you're saying like you can only do one project at a time. So you'd have to factor that into your pricing surely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is lucrative, which is why it's good. You know, you do a tender and then you come out of it and you can do some other bits and pieces to, you know, and they tend to be fun once you've come out of, you know, being head down in, involved in one for, for a while. Um, I always say that <laughs> ten, tenders, fill my bank account or fill my bank cup and my yep. smaller clients fill my soul cup. So, oh, Gotcha. Yep. That makes yep. sense. And so we always, we have to have that mix of work that we do. And there are some, there's some work that fills our bank account and some work that fills our soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I used to feel bad about that. You know, it's like one of those things you don't really mention it, but no, you know, while you are doing it, that is all that you think about. And, you know, you will, you know, I'll wake up in a cold sweat at three o'clock in the morning going, oh my God, I still haven't got XYZ's executive summary or, you know, bits and pieces that they need. So you don't, the, the people that are really good at it are the ones that get involved and get invested because, mm. you know, you want, you rely a lot on that reputation as well to be able to deliver. Uh, to deliver a good product on time. And so you can't really do that if you're one step away from it. Um, so, yeah, you, 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 you get involved and I like to know what's happening. And then the, the, the best feeling is when you get that call from the client and they go, we won. We've Woo! just won. And you sit there and you go, yes, yes, I did absolutely. That. I did that. <laughs> awesome. So, what I mean, what kind of copywriter suits this kind of work because it sounds like there's a lot of numbers, a lot of details, a lot of project management, and it's very dry. Um, yep. Okay. So you've got to be naturally curious about how things work. You've got to be, you have to be flexible to work in with somebody else's process, especially if they're an established team and an established business. Um, 
you've got to be organized. There is absolutely no doubt about it. So if you're one of these people that flies by the seat of their pants, you know, you've got to have a thick skin. You're going to have people come. You are working with people under immense pressure and they snap and you can't take it personally. You can bite back and you can say, don't speak to me like that. Or I'm going to pretend that you didn't say that. And we're going to take that conversation back and we'll, you know, we'll talk about this afterwards. Um, but you can't be a pushover, you know, um, and you've got to be, you've got to be prepared to be brutally honest and go, you haven't answered the question or I can't help you. And that's, that's a big one to be able to go, this is not working. You are not giving me what I need. You are not listening to what I need. I think it's best that you find somebody else to do this while you've still got enough time to be able to do it as well. And walking away is, 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 it's sometimes really, really hard, but you can't, you can't compromise your own integrity and your own reputation of submitting substandard work based on bad information that you are getting. So there's all these things, you know, that, that in the end you kind of, you, you just have to stand in it and go, this is my job and you've brought me on board to be the professional for this. And if you're not prepared to listen to my advice as far as the writing, I understand that you are the technical experts, but this is what I do. And um, we need to work together and collaboratively to make sure that we don't lose any of the technical knowledge while being able to deliver a document that is easy to read, answers the questions, and is easy to be assessed at the end as well. Because you've got to imagine there's people, there's, you know, the, the people who are reading this on the other end, they might be reading four or five, sometimes ten of these documents. And if you've just given them page after page after dribble, they're, you know, they're not really interested. They're just going to go, eh, it's all too hard, like, you know. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think this is what they're trying to say. So on a mark out of ten, you know, you're going to get a four. But you don't. You want you you want it to be there and vibrant, and people picking it up easily and reading it, and just going, yeah, ten out of ten, all the way down. And and that comes with having confidence in your own ability and being able to push back and say, no, you, we're not answering the question here. We're not addressing the selection criteria. Go back and find me some more information. I love that. So if you're listening to this. And you're like, that's me. That is me. There is a whole bunch of industries that need tenders. And it sounds like there is a lot of scope to take on this kind of work. So if, what, what would you be your number one tip for copywriters who might be going, I think, I think tender writing is going to be my jam. Okay. So one of the first things that you can do is you can actually go and have a look and search in your state and find the panel, the tender document for the panel that relates to copywriting as well especially if you've got government experience government loves government like government writing like loves government writing mm-hmm. so have a crack download the documents um uh, or and you you can there's you can go into you know it's either new south wales new south wales government you know, tender gov.au tenders.newsouthwales.gov.au, you know, each one in the various states and do a search and see what documents are available for you to respond to. You can go in and you can go and and have a look at any, if, if you're in a particular niche, so say you're already writing in finance, go and have a look on the um, government tenders list and see what tenders are coming out with regards to finance and make yourself familiar with the documents. Have a look and see what language that they use, how they're, how they're written, the kind of questions that they're asking and see whether or not you know the answers to them. And, you know, if you've got some industry uh, knowledge that you can, you can use, um, you can apply to the larger bid agencies, as I said before, um, Sounds like do a course as well. Do a course. Three. <laughs> There's lots of different ways. You know, have a look if somebody, yeah, you know, make yourself available. As, you know, if you're in writing groups, let people know that it's something that you would be interested in um, and have a one-on-one chat with a tender with a tender writer. Um, you know, most of us are happy to pass on what we know. It might cost you a small fee to cover their time, but it's still going to be cheaper than mm. doing a course. And it allows you to then have a bit of a knowledge, uh, you know, a bit of an understanding about 
uh, whether or not you would like it or you think that it would be worthwhile going on and um, and and learning some more as well. There is um, there is also a an accredited body for tender writing. Oh right, that you okay, can, that's good to yeah, know. yeah. I, I'll find the off the top of my head it escapes me, but I'll find the name so that you can pop it in the show notes so yeah. you can go and have a look. There's, you know, the, the big tender writing agencies, they have lots of information on their websites because they're not just, they're not catering for copywriters, they're catering for business to be able to write their own tenders. And once again, you know, you find out that you can't do it, so you, get, you call in the experts to be able to help you. But there's plenty of information out there and it's, it's not that different to writing if you've written awards you can write tenders if you've written grant applications you can write tenders and if you've written selection criteria for a job and address selection criteria you can it's it's all pretty much the same thing it's just on a bigger scale in most instances more zeros on the end <laughs> like that um so thank you that was so Interesting. I promised at the beginning it was so going to be so much more interesting than you might have thought. Um, so where can people find you, Estelle? We're going to drop all your links in the show notes, but where do you hang out? Tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me at uh, www.wordsthatfit.com.au um, and I've got a Facebook page and also through the Clever Copywriting School directory as well. And LinkedIn. Awesome. Um, on all of those, I, you know, before we wrap up, there's just one thing, you know, don't be afraid of the documents, people. They're just bits of paper, um, you know, and once if you, if you can actually make, if you can make copywriting a career and can make it a living, you can make your living as a tender writer. They're not some magical, you know, woo-woo thing or, you know, there's these really deep detailed information. It's just taking it breaking it down step by step, answering the questions and doing what we do for a sales page just in a more formalised and technical manner. But don't be afraid of the documents. But always read the entire document. That would be my one, number one tip for any Tinder writer. It doesn't matter when, whether you're starting out or you've been doing it for years, you have to read the entire document from start to finish to make sure that you get all the information that you require. I think that is where I would fail consistently, 100%. I cannot finish anything. I am a skimmer <laughs> and uh, I would be terrible at this. But I love how much how many tips you've given us. And I think that's going to be uh, the meme. Don't be afraid of the docs. They're just pieces of paper. Um, so thank you very much for your time today, Estelle. And it's a pleasure to have you in the Hot Copy Mastermind. I'm really excited to be spending the next couple of months with you. Um, it's I great know, Kate, we've been bummed to have missed this chat, but we'll be pushing this out. And if you have any questions about tender writing, do let us know via all the places where you can find us as well. And uh, well, regular listeners will know that this is the time we read out a review of the show. And today we're shouting out to Gina Goding from the USA. And Gina says, Kate and Belinda are always so fun to listen to and not just because of their accents. They have tons of great advice and are always willing to share their best copywriting tips. Great show. Thank you, Gina. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review and we will read it out along with your name. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your thoughts. Um, well, I think that's it. Thank you so much, Estelle. Thank you for having me. It's been good fun. <laughs> Until next time, everyone, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts.